All right, welcome to the Be Breezy Podcast. It's me, your boy Blake. And it's your boy Justin. What up? What's going on? How you been, man? Uh, I've been better, but you know, every day that I'm still alive and breathing is a blessing. Never so, mind. What comedian was it that said uh, he was talking to his dad and he said, Every day I can take a shit is a good day. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Nothing like a good shit. Nothing like a good shit. But I know we have a, a good point of conversation to talk about today. The Joe Rogan, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell incident. So for those of you who do not know what we are talking about, uh, apparently Neil Young requested that his music be eliminated from Spotify, as well as Joni Mitchell did the same thing. Because Joe Rogan had a, we'll say, a controversial guest on his podcast uh, that they said spread in misinformation about the COVID-19 virus. And so they want Joe Rogan off of Spotify as well as their music. Apparently, I read this today, uh, Nils Laughlin, uh, Nils... Lofgren? Lofgren? Lofgren from Bruce Springsteen and everything uh, did the same thing. He kind of took their side. But what's your take on it? Well, they're saying that Joe Rogan is spreading misinformation. But if you've ever listened to the Joe Rogan podcast, he has guests on there that challenge even his views on things. So, it's not that he's spreading misinformation. He's spreading information where people fail to like realize is it's up to you as the individual to determine what information you choose to believe. And that's the key word there, choose. I agree. Yes, 100%. there's st- things that are backed by science, but a lot of times science is bullshitted and it it's not accurate information that they're giving you. Anything that the government is telling you is bullshit because the government wants control. The government wants to do what the government wants to do. Exactly. The, the government used to be fi- by the people for the people. And I would say you got a few people in there that are about that life, but nobody nobody has really taken control during this administration. There should not be a such thing as a career politician. Agreed. Also, if you're in politics and you get rich, you're a dirty motherfucker. Pretty true. Pretty true. Also, the whole stock thing for politicians. We're getting way off track here. But the whole stock thing for politicians. There's I don't know if you guys know this. There's quite a few TikTok accounts that all they do is look up the stock acquisitions and selling behaviors of politicians and people are getting rich. Filthy freaking rich off of just copying like Nancy Pelosi stocks. It makes sense, though. It does. I mean, 
But why are those people not arrested for insider trading? Because technically it's not inciting trading because they're no one that that works for the comp these companies are giving them the information. All they're doing is, hey, this person is buying this. I'm gonna buy that. Well, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the TikTok accounts. I'm talking about the politicians. Because you would have to prove that it was insider trading. Ha- I mean, it's a tough job, but uh, I mean, if you think about it, if I'm on the council that passes a bill to make orange juice harder to get, that's going to affect the stocks. I know that's going to affect the stocks. So orange juice is going to come become a rarer commodity. Therefore, you make those options appropriately. Like you just change up whether when you buy and sell. It, I guess, technically, it's not insider training because it's not inside information from the company, but it is inside the system that the company revolves around. So, I mean, it kind of, they go hand in hand, and I understand it, but doesn't seem exactly fair, but what can you do? You can't, you can't control everything. You can't restrict the economy by that much. Like, everything that's currently going on right now reminds me of a book that I have to finish it. I'm, I'm not done with it yet. But I've read, I'm like, probably three quarters of the way done. It's called Behold a Pale Horse by William Cooper. And one of the first chapters is called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. And it talks about how the government will put information out there, kind of like scare tactics, to control the commodities. Mm -hmm. Food. Gas, mm-hmm. energy, and over the last few years, specifically, I'd probably say the end of 2020 mm-hmm. and up to this point, everything that this book says makes so much more sense because of, think of everything. What, what was going on? Oh, they shut down that that gas pipeline and what was going on there was a gas shortage mhm oh we all of this is going on we've got to shut down the economy now there there was food shortages because grocery stores couldn't get products and xyz you know you were in you went into walmart within the last month or so the store was fucking empty. Empty. Dead empty. So it it makes sense. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let, when I finish the book, I'm gonna let you borrow it so you can read it. And you you will think. William Cooper, in the book, he talks about how the government tried to kill him multiple times for writing the book. Hmm. This guy was in the military. He, he talks about 
UFO activity that he saw while he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. He also talks about how an unnamed government agency spoke to him about what he saw. And they asked him, are you sure that's what you saw? And he was like, no, that's not what I saw. And then he was immediately promoted to, like, naval intelligence at a much higher rank. Dang. It, the book is fucking nuts. It's crazy. But it's, it's really dope, though. And what you were ta- speaking on, it just sounds like uh, the government is taking advantage. Have you ever seen the movie Trading Places mm-hmm. with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy? You, rem- you remember the ending scene? When Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy uh, give the inside traders like false information, and then they get ruined, and Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy make it rich, it just sounds like a lot of the government doing that. Yeah, pretty much having insider information of some sort that leads to. Them accruing funds and not everybody else. I mean, kind of circling back towards the whole COVID vaccine and misinformation and shit. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy. Like, out of the three companies that made vaccines, several Mm -hmm. senators and shit own the majority of the stock in these companies. And that Fauci's wife was one of the key players in all that. Right? Yeah. Fucking crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it just some shit that they're doing? Who because knows? the evidence is already out there. Yeah. It's just what's going to happen. My thing is there's so many sides you can take in the story. They presented so so many facts, quote unquote facts, whatever you choose to believe, but and so there's no. First off, there's so many stories you can't keep up with all of them. Uh, secondly, there's people walking around spreading actual misinformation. There's media companies spreading actual misinformation. There. There are people who are, I'll use the words, uh, quote-unquote, open-minded, who are saying that they should mandate people to get the vaccine, and that's garbage, because that becomes fascism, that becomes a government telling you what you have the choice to do what your choice is true that's mandatory mandatory vaccines i whether you take the vaccine and whether the vaccine helps or not that's a different story but when the government starts telling you what you have to do that's a different story you that's start a different different argument. boundaries yeah one of them is science, and you can prove science over time. 
whether the vaccine works, whether it doesn't work, whatever. But when the government starts telling me what I have to do with my body, then it's a problem. And see, this is where liberal arguments fall apart. Because when it comes to abortion, it's my body, my choice. But when it comes to this fucking vaccine... Oh, you you don't you're you don't care about life because you're not going to get this vaccine. Okay, but you it, it's perfectly okay for some girl to go kill a fucking baby? Mhm. I mean, that's and that's why when it comes to these kinds of arguments, I tend to stay I tend to stay in the middle because it's such a gr- large gray area. Exactly. Like whether you, regardless of what your stance is on abortion, if you're if you're saying it's my body, my choice on whether or not if I was a female, I could have an abortion or not. And then you turn around on the same note, say, if you don't get this vaccine, you don't care about life. It's hypocritical. Argu- it's very hypocritical. And your argument is invalid. Like it, it, it falls apart. Well, it, it's science. Okay. Well, it's also science that a fetus is a person. I, in my opinion, th- I I take a really weird stance in the whole abortion thing. When it comes to abortion, I think you can you can solve this problem by dictating where life starts. There has to be a scientific like when this happens, this is life. But currently, that matter is the gray area, which is why True. the abortion argument is so rampant. You have, you have people who say, oh, life starts at conception. When the sperm cell and egg meet, that's... Or not cell, not sperm cell, but when the sperm and the egg meet, that's when yeah. life starts. And then you have people who say, well, there's not a heartbeat until this amount of time. Mm-hmm. Or there's no cognitive brain function until this time. But you have to pick one. Scientists True. or medical professionals have to pick one to solve that argument. True. And I agree with it. Because when you leave it open to interpretation... That's where the problems are. True. And going back to like, you know, cognitive brain function. Okay, so if somebody gets into a car accident, becomes brain dead, becomes a vegetable. You're technically saying this person is still alive, but they have no brain function, Mm -hmm. but they have a heartbeat. But then on the other end, you have a fetus that has a heartbeat, but technically doesn't have a cognitive brain function. And mm-hmm. you're saying that's not that's not alive. Correct. So, so it, it's it's it, hypocritical on both sides of it. Yeah, you have. To, I mean, you have to pick. At some point, the, that decision has to be made. Is it because there's a heartbeat or is it because there's cognitive brain function? What's it going to be? 
because technically you can have cognitive brain function after your heart stops beating. Correct. And but your heart can keep beating even though you don't have cognitive brain function. Yeah. And I mean, the argument that you just made means that if somebody goes into a, co a coma, mm -hmm. then if we go by the same rules that we're currently applying to abortion, mm -hmm. then they died. Pretty much. Or, yeah. or, or they're alive. I mean, you have to, like I said, you, you have, have to, to pick, pick one. You have to pick one. Are, are they dead or are they alive? I you mean, know, it's it, it. That's that's the argument that needs to be made, and until it's actually determined and decided on, which it, it'll always be a controversial choice, regardless of whichever one is chosen, mm -hmm. because people see it from in different views. Because it is interpreted right now. Exactly. Until it becomes a fact, it it, it will it will be a problem. Yep. And I agree with that. And I mean, regardless of what I believe about abortion or anything, like people, people have free will. That's one of the biggest things. Is mm -hmm. it's free will. You have the free will to make choices. But you know, going back to the whole vaccine thing and being mandated, at this point. The government is taking away your free will and dictating what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Not, hey, this is a thing. You can either choose to do it or you can choose not to do it. Kind of like this is this is one thing that I, I talk about a lot with a lot of people. Freedom of speech. Yes, the First Amendment says you have the right to say whatever you want. But with that right and you choosing to say whatever you want, you must also deal with whatever consequences or repercussions come behind your choice of saying whatever you want. That's 100%. I say that all the time. You get freedom freedom of speech, not freedom of consequence. Exactly. That's the best way to put it. It's like... If a white person walks up to a black person and calls them an N-word and the black person doesn't do nothing. Okay, cool. That means you said that word probably around the right person. Mm -hmm. But if you turn around and say it, if that white person said it to somebody else and he gets his ass beat, that's the consequences of your actions. You chose to say that word knowing what consequences could come behind saying it. True. True. Very true. And at that point, you have to deal with those consequences. Same thing, like a bunch of celebrities and stuff. They say whatever they want and people, oh, well, the First Amendment says he has the right to say whatever he want. Okay. But... This label, or let's go with a a musician. A musician says something racist or off color. Mm -hmm. And the label that they're signed to is like, yeah, no, we don't take that stance with you, so we're going to drop you. 
now the fans are like, oh, well, they're, they dropped him and he has the right to say whatever he wants in X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z. True. He does have the right to say whatever he wants, but he is not free of the consequences that comes behind those actions and those words. I got you. I mean, that's 100% right, though. But one thing I also like to talk about is just because you don't like something doesn't mean you shouldn't hear it. It's the censorship argument. True. So, True. so with the right to free speech also comes the right to be offended. True. So just because I say something that you might not disagree with, just because it, it doesn't fall in, ter- in line with what you believe doesn't mean that I don't have the right to say it. Yeah, it's a, everybody has the right to their opinion. And then on top of that, not every opinion needs to be voiced. If you get what I'm saying. I, I understand. I, I'm not sure I agree. I do think that you have the right to your you have the right to your opinion and you have the right to voice your opinion true but but is the need there to always voice your opinion when you don't agree that is see that's the problem when people when people don't agree with an opinion they choose to voice theirs exactly and so if you were to disagree with something I said and you made a comment about it and then it just turns into a fiery argument back and forth instead of the civil debate that it should be. People have lost the ability to think critically and challenge their own ideas and grow as a person. Agreed. Also, like, people have lost the ability to communicate and argue a, a valid point, well, technically the point doesn't even have to be valid. The opinion doesn't even have to be valid. But to communicate and argue their their opinion without being offended or without the open mind of trying to learn or trying to understand from the opposite point of view. In my opinion, you have to look at the, the argument from both sides. There's black, there's white, and you have, if you think black, then you have to look at it from the white side and be like, okay, cool. Now I see that. And it should start to shape how you actually see the whole thing. Now you see it as a blended of, okay, that makes sense on this side. This makes sense on this side. And see, a lot of it is asking yourself why. You have a different opinion of me. Why? What in your life has led you to believe what you believe? Why, why is that valid in your mind, but not in mine? True. And actually, this actually came really full circle because I think that's exactly what the Joe Rogan podcast does. It's, it's not necessarily the spreading of misinformation. It's just a conversation. A conversation putting out information to let the people receive the information and then make a choice on what they believe and what they do not believe on their own. 
Exactly. And it's it's a lot of critical thinking. Absolutely. Like, I mean, a lot of times I've I've watched him play devil's advocate. No like knowing that he'll he believes this way, he'll advocate against it with whoever he's talking to just to challenge them yeah. and to challenge himself to think and grow. I mean, that that's basically the whole point of debate. Like look at political debate. That's the whole thing is to argue sides. But I believe in or in order to gain the most knowledge, you must know both sides of the argument. Yeah, exactly. You don't go to a debate unprepared. Exactly. Cuz if you if you're if you don't know something about a subject, this is also a th- a problem I think a lot of people have is they'll talk to pretend like they know something just to appear a certain way to a certain group of people. Uh, yeah, like as opposed to just being like, yeah, I don't know much about this subject. Let me let me put a pin in this and come back to it and maybe we can rehash this topic at a later date so that way I'm more adequately adequately prepared with mm-hmm. pertinent information. Yeah, because when's the last time you heard an, an argument about to go off and then someone go, you know what, I actually don't know the most about this subject. Uh, I don't have the adequate information to have an opinion on this subject, so I'm just not going to comment. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, and that there is wisdom. It's the wisdom to know, I don't know this subject but clearly this person is passionate about said subject. Maybe I should learn and figure out my stance on the subject. And then it goes back to people don't know how to have a conversation or argument. Once somebody doesn't agree with your opinion, they're mad and they're up at arms and it becomes a whole situation when really all it could be, okay, you have your opinion. I have my opinion. We can agree to disagree. It doesn't have to be any bad blood or it doesn't have to start an argument or fight or anything. My opinion is my opinion. Your opinion is your opinion. We both said what we had to say. We both gave out factual information on both sides. Uh, Okay, cool. We agree to disagree. Yeah, and I feel like nobody right now knows how to actually do that. I don't feel like nobody in, in today's society knows how to walk away with no bad blood because everybody's offended everybody's offended oh his opinion isn't my opinion so i don't like him i'm offended by what he has to say and your opinion may have been completely valid your the facts that you stated completely valid accurate facts and the opinion that they have completely valid accurate facts on their side you just you don't agree but because they don't agree with you, now they're in their feelings and offended and mad, and now they need to go sit in their safe space. And that, that is why I really admire Elon Musk and the interviews he does and the conversations that he has with people because he, the way his brain works 
it's it's almost like a robot. Like there's from what I've seen, he doesn't put emotional stakes into arguments, which is why I think he's so smart. Is because if he doesn't know something, he learns about it. As everybody should. He doesn't he doesn't sit there and try to form some sort of like intangible argument that is just made out of nothing. He he sits there and with every choice that that man makes or every choice I've seen him make it's always I'm not going to let my feelings get in the way. I'm just going to let logic and decent like the pursuit of a greater humanity lead the way. Yeah. And, like, for me, you know, I, I did my time in law enforcement and whatever. And oh, you said you, are, you did your time in county. And I was like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, people will come to me, like, not being racist enough, but, like, black people come to me and they'll be, like, angry and upset because there was an officer-involved shooting of a black person. Okay, cool. And they're like, well, how do you think about it? Let me get back to you. Let me let me do some research and figure out actual facts of the case. Because I'm not going to sit here and have a conversation with you without actually knowing what happened. I can I, I can I'm not going to go off of what the media said happened, because a lot of times they don't have all the information and they're just putting out a story. It's not about if the story is correct or if the information is correct. It's we got to get the information out there, whether it's correct or not. It, yeah, correct. You're it exactly is, right. It's we not- have to get the information out there, regardless of whether it's correct or not. So what I'll do is I'm okay. I'll I'll look into it and I'll do a bunch of research and I'll figure out actual facts of the case, the Breonna Taylor case. Uh, people ask, people ask me about that. I said, okay, cool. I don't really know too much about it at the moment. Let me get back to you. Did my research. At that point, they had already put all the the, the warrants and everything were already public record. So you could actually view the warrants that were signed and everything by the mm-hmm. judge. And so I looked at it. Okay, cool. And then I started like thinking about the cases and everything and like how certain things weren't adding up. And so when I would go have this conversation, I'm coming to have this conversation with the facts. And I'm not giving you a, a former law enforcement officer side or a black person side or a half white person side. I, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to the, the situation with with facts, factual evidence of what was going on at that time. But. The argument when I start presenting facts and the things that weren't adding up based off of factual information I have that is now public record. Oh, well, you're just saying it because you used to be a cop and you're half white. No, that that's not the case. Like, I, I will talk about officer involved shootings with anybody just because I I did do time in law enforcement. I am half black. I am half white. And I will talk, I will talk 
all of this and give different at, different views and opinions about these things that happen just to, you know, basically help spread the information that it's not like cops are just going around shooting black people. It, that's not the case at all. But then I mean, it I'm always sure got some places in Mississippi that are pretty rough, but <laughs> I mean, shit, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen because exactly there's fucked up people in the world, regardless of whether they're a cop, black, white, Asian, Mexican, whatever. There's fucked up people in the world. But it would always we'd start off talking officer involved shootings and then they would bring in, well, George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. I no. Because that was not a police officer, and that was not an officer-involved shooting. That whole situation was fucked up. Do I think George Zimmerman should have went to jail for that? Uh, yes, but the DA's office in Florida that prosecuted that case fucked that one up. So, yeah. So, I'm like, so now I, I can't believe your opinions about anything because you brought up an invalid point that had nothing to do with the the topic at hand. Yeah. And it's all about thinking critically at the end of the day. So when you look at a situation like that, cop kills a black guy, and you think you have to think from multiple sides. You have True. to. You have to go, if I was that black guy, what, what should I have done? What did he do? If I was the, the cop... Why did I react in that way? Is there something that I could have done to not do that? Like, from that perspective. It, and you have to think about all of that. And I'm sure you have more uh, experience. Your law enforcement experience brings in a whole other level to that argument. You know the codes. You know, at least for what your county was, what the procedure is when dealing with a hostile inmate or whatever it may be. You know those procedures. Most people don't. True. And most people don't know when an accurate time to use deadly force is. True. Based on their procedure. True. I, I I completely agree with that. And what was the point that I was going to say? Also, body cam. Oh, well, the body cam shows this. Okay, in the, in the heat of a moment, your vision becomes tunnel vision, and you only see like 3% of your field of view. It's almost like you target fixate on one particular thing. You don't see what's going off. Also, a body camera is 180 degrees field of view. You see way more than the human eye sees after the fact. Yeah, true. You're not really seeing. That's why I don't like the body cams that sit on the chest because it's not giving you an accurate depiction of what is being seen at eye level. Mm-hmm. So the cameras that actually like sit at about eye level, I believe are a more accurate as to what that officer is seeing at that time. And I think I, what I don't like about the body cams is a lot of the footage I see 
is edited. And I'm not saying that the fault of the police department or whatever. Uh, it's just media cutting up stuff to get to the good part, get to the juicy part. That's why you have to wait for the agency to release exactly the actual body cam footage. A lot of times you'll see things that happen. It's cell phone recorded video. The cell, the, the cell phone recorded video doesn't start until after the altercation between the officer and the, the person starts, regardless of whether it's black, white or whatever. The cell phone video starts after the fact. Yeah, I it doesn't know show happened, everything that, that leads up to that point, yeah. which is vital information. Very vital. I want to know what led up to somebody going, Same. I'm going to pull out my phone and record this. Same. A lot of people, they, they pull it out, oh, just because they see the police and just, well, if something if something happens. But that's not the case. Most of the time, it's somebody starts recording after there's an altercation already taking place. And it escalates to the point of deadly force. Exactly. Yep. And then, of course, it's easy to sit on the couch and depict body cam footage after the fact. Oh, well, all he had was a knife or a, a bladed weapon can do just as much damage as a gun. The, the same people who sit on the couch and judge these situations are the same people who watch the Olympics and go, oh, that dude came in last. Slow ass. I could exactly. do that. I could do that. No, you couldn't. That's a very high-stress situation. Absolutely. And just speaking from experience of my time in law enforcement and how quickly a situation can escalate, it can go from, I've been in situations where it went from having a conversation like we are now mm -hmm. to being an all out brawl, knockdown, drag out brawl with a guy in like half a second. Exactly. And you and the thing is, when something happens that fast, you, you got to think that it's premeditated. Because right now you don't know what's going through my head. Absolutely. not. I mean, we're having this conversation. We're both being civil. But at any point in time, I could choose to just violently attack you. Absolutely. And, and you would go, and then you put me down. That's that's where you that's where you see problems. Is just because somebody is acting civilly doesn't mean they're not going to turn hostile. There's also passive aggressiveness. Very true. You may not actively be resisting, but you're being very passive aggressive about things. Your demeanor is very passive aggressive. You, you're taking your time not handing over your ID or you're being very hostile with your answer to simple questions. And when you initially start the contact off hostile or very passive aggressive, that officer's, that officer's getting a vibe like something is off. See, my thing is, you know, you just treat people the way you would want to be treated. Absolutely. So if if I've done something wrong and an officer approaches me, 
yeah, like I did something wrong. I'm Why sorry. give him a hard time? Why give when him? He's a ho- just trying to do his job. Exactly. So, and I understand the argument. Like people don't like cops or whatever. I get it. I don't. True. I don't know if I agree with it because without police, you just kind of have anarchy and absolutely anarchy. Just. Yeah, I mean, no. you it, do- it, it's it's not good. You have to have a system, and you have to have people who can enforce the rules. And that's, I mean, that's what makes society great. Because, I mean, if I'm just allowed to murder you in broad daylight in front of all the people and just walk away and nothing happens to me, what kind of direction does that point society in? True. What, where do you go? But I'm trying to, I was trying to make a point. Trying to find it. Recap. What 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 were we talking about? Oh, I know what it was. It was if if I'm not going to give that person a hard time, they're more likely to give to be better to you. If you treat someone well, they will treat you well for the most part. Generally, true. I mean. You have your exceptions where somebody's having a bad day or they're, you know, just not a good person and they're having a power trip or whatever. But for the most part, if you're nice to an officer, I've never had an officer not be nice to me. Absolutely. You have you have to give respect to get it. Like for me, if you don't, I'm not demanding respect. But person to person, I'm expecting respect. Now, there are bad apples. And in law enforcement, in the medical field, any kind of public service, you can't have bad apples in in this career. You, You can't. Because those bad apples are the ones that fuck it up for all... It doesn't matter how many officers go out, do their job, flawlessly help people all day, every day. That one bad apple fucks it up for everybody. And, which there's a guy on TikTok that talks about this all the time. It's He's like, well, why don't good officers report the bad officers? It's because you have the old guard that's higher up in the chain of command. Yeah, you have a bad apple and the, up that's the above old you. guard. They don't they don't do that. They call it snitching. At some point, you have to call out the bullshit. I I used to call out bullshit in the jail. If I saw something that was wrong that a fellow officer was doing, hey, bro, no. I wouldn't call him out in front of anybody. I'd pull him to the side after the fact and be like, hey, bro, you fucking up. That that's that's not how that goes. You you mm. can't do it that way. And you have to be able, you have to stand on it. But the reason why a lot of good officers don't is because of retaliation. It is a very thing. The, the wall of silence mm-hmm. in law enforcement is a real thing. And when you go against that, you basically kiss your whole career. And I mean, goodbye. It's the whole dynamic of those public service jobs that it's a weird kind of dysfunctional family kind of thing. 
It's the same thing you see in soldiers. Uh, it's the absolutely. Same, it's the same thing you see with firefighters. It it's it doesn't change. It's absolutely. It's a brotherhood. Yes. And those are the people that you're putting yourself on the line with. You're in the front lines, handling stressful situations, risking your life at times. And if you betray one of your brothers, they're not going to have your back. They're not going to have your back. And having backup in those types of situations is very, very important. It's very similar to how I was feeling this last time that I was working at the agency I was working at, where it seemed like every time I turned around, most of my shift was talking shit. Oh, well, they let Reed do this. They let Reed do that. We don't ever get to do this. We don't ever get to do that. And it, like, I try not to let it worry, like, worry me and, like, bother me. But it really seemed like, okay, if I'm down here getting my ass kicked by a group of inmates, these motherfuckers ain't going to come help me. Yeah. Regardless of how many times I call for assistance, they're not going to come because... They're mad because my supervisors rewarded my work ethic with positions that allowed me the freedom to do certain things. Yeah. And it, it is what it is. My corporal used to actually tell them the reason why Reed gets to do the stuff that he does is because he does the things that y'all don't do. I don't have to I don't have to tell him this needs to get done. I don't have to tell him this needs to get done. These are things that happen every night and he gets it done without even it being a thought because it's routine. These are things that happen every night. These things have to get done. So, in order to let my supervisors do what they needed to do as supervisors, I took care of the small stuff. Without them even saying it, mm-hmm. I used to teach and try and teach and train other other officers to, so that way they had the they could get the opportunity or earn the opportunity to do the things that I was doing. But when they got the chance, they didn't do what needed to get done. So, guess who they put back to do those things? Me. And then it'd be. Oh, well, they only let Reed do this, and they only let Reed do that. And even other supervisors were joining in on on that. So it was just like, okay, well, it it seems like at this point it's my time to go. Yeah. Once a work environment gets toxic, I mean, what can you do besides get yourself out of it? Absolutely. It's not. I mean, it's not good for your mental health to stay in it. Absolutely. And when I made that decision to leave and I walked in there that, that, that night with my resignation letter, like I usually never smiled when I walked into work, but I'm telling you, I had a Kool-Aid smile and everybody knew something was up because they were, they were looking at me like, why are you smiling? And I was like, Oh, I'm in a great mood. And they were like, you must be about to quit. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, when I quit, that was probably my favorite day at work. 
Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you sit in there and you're getting belittled by people all day and you're having your ideas challenged or you're not allowed to have ideas because you're at the bottom of the totem pole in their eyes or you're getting stepped on, I mean, just quit. You don't have to. Like You don't have to, you don't you don't have have to, to work there. That. Like you, you as a person, you don't have to take the disrespect, regardless of where you're at, regardless of who's giving it to you. You as a person do not have to take disrespect from anybody. You can easily remove yourself from that situation. And if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. Even when I was just an hourly person working retail, customers get disrespectful. I used to easily just be like, okay, and I walk away. And then they go complain to the manager that I walked away from them and left them hanging. I was like, yeah, because me as a person, I don't have to take their disrespect. They're they're sitting here cussing at me because we don't have an, a product. There's nothing I can do about that. I checked. We don't have it in the in the back. Our system shows that we're out of stock. We have some that should be coming in within the week, but there's nothing I can do about it. But you want to sit here and cuss me out because you said you were at another store and it said that we had five on hand. How does that other store know what we have in our store? They don't. Exactly. So, yeah, you want to cuss me out? Okay, cool. I'm out. And I'll walk off and I'll go get started on something else that I was working on. I mean, and that's why this, like, doing this with you is so freeing. Like, the fact that I saved up money, quit my job, and now I'm doing something that I love doing. Nothing in this, like, what we're doing right now ever, ever feels like work. Not because we tend to we make it fun like yeah there's certain things like we don't want to do but we get it done and then we get back to doing the parts of it that actually are fun like this starting this podcast we talked about it for a while and then we're like yeah let's get this going and now we got it going and the stream. I and, love and the stream. I like, love the stream. Honestly, like I have so much fun. I think I'm a little awkward on stream, but then again, like I, I kind of feel like I'm Ricky Bobby. Like I don't know what to do with my hands. Like yeah. I, I don't know. Like I don't really know like what to do as I'm like making a beat on the stream. Like I'm just kind of like, and it's like I'm not used to like talking my way through making something. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I'm not used to talking my way through making a beat. So, I, like, it, then it, I'll I'll get, like, most of the beat made. And then I'm, like. I haven't said anything for, like, Yeah, I minutes. didn't, like, explain any of this shit. Like, I'm going to try and work on that and do better. And maybe I can, like, get it figured out. I I'm feel like, I, hey, uh, this is currently, this is what I'm doing doing i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna use this plug in to do this and it, it it'll adjust the sound like this and this is what happens when you do this with this mm-hmm. plug in and xyz i'm gonna try and work on doing better about that see i feel like i'm pretty good at it because i mean you know i kind of i'm kind of a homebody i don't go anywhere i don't really do anything and i don't really 
talk to anybody except my girlfriend and you for the most part all week. And so, shit, I'm just happy to be on camera and talk to people. <laughs> talk, yeah, to mean, pe- talk to like, people and I'm sure I can figure it out and, like, actually, like, get used to it and have fun with it. But then again, like... It's new. I'm... I'm, I've never been, like, one of the ones to be, like, up front in anything. Like, it was cool being a percussionist, like, in band, because usually we were at the fucking back. Even if we had a solo, like, we were still at the back. We weren't, like, up front and personal. Like, drummer. Yeah, it was just... You're always in in the back. So, it's, like, being up front. And I think that's, like... As cool as I think it would be to be an artist, it's not my cup of tea. My like, thing is, I, I just, I'll just be in the background making the be- the beats and stuff. Like it is what it is. See, I like I like doing both. I like having those those moments. I I have those moments where I'm like front man, leader, like. Balls to the wall, let's get it. But I also like sitting back and helping somebody else achieve what they want to achieve. Letting them be the front man. Yeah, it's uh, it's similar like with m- me working with Velvet Willow. Shout out to Velvet Willow, by the way. Go check them out. Uh, they got music on Spotify, iTunes, everything, everything. Uh, everywhere. Um, Hard rock yeah. band, if you like Black Sabbath. Uh, also, Seven Year Witch. Those those yeah. guys. They just Shout killed it. Seven Year. They just put out their new single, Cyanide. Cyanide. Yeah, track slaps. Oh yeah, go check it out. But uh, yeah, it's like my work with them. Like they perform and do all the shenanigans and stuff, and I'm just like in the background. I act as a instrument tech, swapping guitars with Harley, helping Zach set up drums. Yeah, getting the show done. You know, like doing all the things like that need to get done, but without being up front. Yeah. I also kind of act as security and a manager and the dad of the group. Fucking assholes. But yeah, you know, background shit. Like, yeah. And I mean, I don't necessarily have that thing in me that goes. You should you should play shows. You should get out there and do coffee shops and stuff. But I mean, if somebody wants me to play, I mean, I'm not I'm not nervous about it. Like I'm confident enough in my skill set to where I have no problem being the front man if I have to. It was like I get up on stage and I play with them. But again, it's in the back. I'm a drummer. I'm in the back. So, like, even when they, like, you know, they use wireless rigs and shit and they take off and, like, leave the stage and shit and I'm still <clears> up there, everybody's looking at them run around and do all the shenanigans and shit. And I'm just up there on stage just minding my own fucking business, just playing, like, but nobody's really looking at me. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not used to being the center of attention. Yeah. And I'm a okay with it. I mean, it's a it's a thing though. Like 
you'll work on it. You'll get better. I mean, because really all it, it's, it's super easy. You, I mean, you just like we're doing right now, you would just like you're teaching me how to mix better and you're showing me little tips and tricks and this is why you do, this is why you would EQ this this way to make room for this or whatever. That's the kind of stuff you just run through it. And I, th- yeah, and like, I think like when we were making that slow track on stream the other day, the John Mayer style thing, that was really good because if you're having, if you, you got a microphone, you're talking to me and we're going back and forth and just kind of collabing on this thing. I think that's pretty interesting. I, I, Cause it's different for me. I hear it one way and for you, you hear it a different way. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I was fixing to say actually was like, we hear things completely different. Like that little weird guitar beat thing that we made, like you had that little riff and thing. And I was like, huh? Yeah, this is fixing to go in a completely different direction than where you probably think it's going to go. Yeah, most of the time, like, I don't have that hip-hop background. I mean, True. you got to think, white boy Georgia, I got a country music. Like, my hip-hop days were 95.5 The Beat, like, and that was pretty much it. No, I mean, mostly just pop music anyway. It's pretty much just pop music anyway. So I hear a lot of pop and rock stuff when I'm making music. I hear... a a lot of melody, not so much a beat. So that makes sense. And and as part of it is you're a drummer, I'm a guitar player. Those are two completely Yeah, you're different. you're used to melodic. I'm used to rhythm. So I can easily come up with a dope rhythm. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to making melodies, not as much because I've never been even learning like mallet instruments when I was in high school. I could do it, but I was only good enough to satisfy what the music at that the, I was playing the called bare minimum. For. Yeah. Like I don't get me wrong, I I learned some dope techniques like the vibraphone and using four mallets and stuff and yeah and learning that whole grip technique which was kind of weird and mm-hmm. almost like you were throwing up gang signs but you had mallets coming out your fingers and shit yeah it was fucking weird but i learned it because the music called for it and i kind of didn't have a choice but again and then also like i hear music differently than you because of how my music taste has been throughout my life. Like I wasn't just raised on some kind of music. Like, yeah, I used to listen to pop music and then hanging around my dad, used to listen like old school R and B and stuff like that and gospel. And then, you know, country music being around the family and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then, you know, my mom got with Sean, and that's when I got into 80s hair metal. And then I branched out from 80s hair metal to different other kinds of rock. And then for a while, I went through a period where I, all I really listened to was hip-hop. And then I went a period of time where I, I hated hip-hop, and I didn't listen to it. But I started listening to post-hardcore. 
fucking yeah. weird. It's crazy. And fucking weird. And it's like me. I started out with dad listening to all the hair metal and classic rock and yeah. cuz that's what he grew up with so that's all we had around the house and that and country music it was uh and pop music i yeah, mean yeah i remember waking up at your house and your mom had fucking country music blaring through the tv while she was cleaning up me and dad were talking about that today i figured out <laughs> that uh that the roku tv uh-huh. Uh if you have a Roku TV, you can go to the uh like live TV thing. Mm-hmm. Go to the uh channel guide thing and you actually have like a lot of channels that you can watch live and one of those channels was uh like a CMT thing and they also have like MTV Block Party uh the old where and they were playing like TLC on there and I was like that's one thing That's I dope. don't think you, I I was like I don't remember the last time I watched a music video that I didn't click play on on YouTube. And I was damn. Right? Like I don't remember watching a mu- a music video that I didn't pick. And I was like, damn. When was the Dog, I don't even know. Isn't that I, crazy? I, I I don't remember. And I'm my my assumption would be probably around 2010, 2011, when I learned a little snap clap thing from uh, "Can't Stand It" by Never Shout Never. Yeah. Because I taught Grace how to do it. Because mm-hmm. she was like, I've always wanted to learn how to do that, but I can't figure it out. I was like, it's easy. You just. And she yeah. was like, yeah, you make that look way too easy. I was like, because it is actually pretty easy. But that's the th- I, I thought about that today and I was like. I miss the radio. I miss not having an algorithm show me stuff that it thinks I like. Yeah. I miss somebody going, oh, I like this track. I'm going to put it on the radio. You know what I mean? But that's the thing, like... But even the radio is not like that anymore. When streaming became a thing, like... Well, I would say when iTunes became a thing. It took the focus off of albums and it became singles. And then you could pay 99 cents and have this single and then it's on your iPod or whatever and you can listen to the song over and over again because you own that song. And then it it went from that to it started becoming streaming. And now streaming is extremely single based like oh yeah it, it, if you're an artist and you're putting out an album other than doing it because that's what you wanted to do for the project you're really wasting your time put out a single promote the single make a lyric video for the single shoot a music video for the single shoot all kinds of other promo content for the single 
And that's if you want to find success. I will. I'll make it very clear. That's if you want to find success as an artist. True. If you want to get the the execs and the the playlist deals and the all that stuff. If you want to get airtime and stuff like that, that's what you do. P.S. Don't sign a three sixty. Get a credit card. Don't sign a three sixty deal. Please just, don't. Just go get a credit card. It's the same thing. But don't better. sign a three sixty. And that can be a topic for another podcast, talking about 360 deals. And if you're an artist or a band or whatever, and the opportunity presents itself for you to sign a 360, not every... They're not, they're not created equal, but... They're not created equal. Generally, they're mostly bad. It's also... I mean, you have to make your decision based on your circumstances. But a 360 deal in the shortest form is, okay, so artists usually make their money off of touring and merch. Not off of album sales or streaming or anything like that. And it's usually touring and merch. Well, a 360 deal that a label offers you is they're going to give you a little more upfront advance, but they're also taking money from you from your, your performance which is your touring and your merch sales. And nah, fam, don't do it. Personally, as an artist, in my opinion, and this is my personal opinion, take this with a grain of salt. I've never done it. But if I was going to pursue an actual career artist type path, I would take out, I would get the best credit card that I possibly could, do everything I need to do for my album, put it on that credit card, and then use money from sales and touring, like album sales, touring, merch, to pay off that credit card, and then do it again. Because, honestly, a record label... If they're in, invested in you, that means they're going to try to invest in you. But why do you invest? So you can get money. You So you can make a return. Absolutely. Profit. Return of ROI. Return of, on investment. Exactly. So, but all they're going to do, most record deals, are we're going to give you this much cash so you can do this. And then you're going to pay us that back. It's just a loan. Recoup. It's recoup. Make sure you know what the word recoup means. And so you're just, they're just recouping on a loan they gave you with interest, mind you, because that shit ain't free. You also have to think about what income yours actually goes towards what is being recouped from for that advance. Correct. And if because that's. If only if you didn't have your contract checked and only album sales goes towards your recoupment, but you signed a 360 and the label's getting your touring and your merch, yeah, you're fucked. For sure, 100%. You're fucked. And so, if you, but in my opinion, if you just get a credit card and you're doing it all yourself, you're paying... 
the credit co- company back for the loan they gave you. True. But you also don't have to worry about some corporation or some sneaky wording in a contract for rights to your music. Absolutely. Because holding the rights to your music is very important. I mean, and we can talk about the Taylor Swift thing another day. Look at all the artists that are, that own their masters now. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, because all it takes, all it takes is one. You need one hit. One hit can change your life. And it's just like for me as a producer, if I produce a hit record and my producer royalty is like 2%, that 2%, my whole life has changed forever unless I just go out and completely fuck that money up. Exactly. 2% of a hit record for me as a producer, my whole life has changed forever. Like designer with the song Panda. He bought this beat for like $200. Yeah. Put it out. I think a lot of, I think what helped the song blow up was people thought it was a future mm-hmm. initially. Because when I first heard it, I was like. Similar style. I was like, damn, future sound a little different right here. But then I found out it was this dude named Designer. I'm like, damn. He made millions off of that one song. Absolutely. 2% of a million still a shitload of money. And that's that's a 2% that keeps going. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I only get 2% of whatever this song made at this time. That 2% keeps going. So as the song keeps aging and keeps generating income, I'm still getting 2% off of that record. And because I produced a hit record, that right there gave me exposure to other artists. And now I have a credit that's like, yeah, this is what I can do. Now that's getting me in front of other artists in order for me to land placements with them. Exactly. My placement with the Kid Leroy is coming. I'm, I will have a placement with the Kid Leroy. Let's do it. Yeah, I will have a placement with the Kid Leroy. It's coming. We're doing it. And it's like an ancient Vietnamese proverb that I learned. It's called Fuck How. Spelled P-H-U-K. Mm-hmm. H-A-U. Mm-hmm. Fuck How. Fuck How. But I'm going to have a placement with the Kid Leroy. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. Be on the lookout. It's going to happen. Tweet him. Uh, everybody, tag him. Tag, tag him in this him, podcast. Um, yeah, go follow Carefree Media TikTok. Go follow Carefree Media Instagram, Facebook. All, all the social, except Twitter, because we're not on Twitter. Uh, yeah. We're not on Twitter yet. We're not on Twitter yet. Uh, follow us on Twitch, though. We do we do a lot of cool stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, follow, follow us on Twitch. Um, and yeah. if you're an artist, especially watch us on Twitch, because we we produce a lot of stuff on Twitch. And if you're interested in anything, it'd be let a good us time. know. Let us know. Absolutely. 
But I think I think that's a pretty good spot to stop this podcast. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty long. It's a solid podcast. I had fun this episode. Me like too. We talked about a, a lot of really cool shit. Um, so I would say next episode we can like make it like super like music based, music business based. Yeah. And we can talk about different things like the 360 deals like we were talking about, uh, recoupment. Um, artist strategy. Artist strategy. Um, publishing. Because that's very, that's very important, definitely, for those producers out there. Mm-hmm. Because you want to make sure you're getting your publishing. And, and writing. We can, we can go into that more in the next episode. But, yeah, that's the publishing side of things for producers is very important. Very important. Absolutely. Well, on that note, this has been the Be Breezy podcast. And maybe, maybe just maybe... We'll talk about it this week and try to get some music as an intro for the next podcast. I think that'd be pretty cool. Come up that with would some be sort pretty cool. Intro. Maybe an intro and outro music. That's the dream. That's the dream. Living the dream. But all right, guys. Be Breezy. This has been the Be Breezy podcast. I'm your boy, Blake. I'm your boy, Justin. Be Breezy, guys. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>